there exists uh, in the Gospels an uncomfortable reality. That is, that speaking truth to power is not the modus operandi, it's not the mode of the Gospel, simply because it wasn't the way that Jesus operated. So many people thought that he would bring a warlike revolution, saving the Jews from their oppressors. Even Judas Iscariot was perhaps one of this faction. But in those crucial moments, brought before brought before Pilate Herod the embodiments of worldly power, he was practically silent. So rather, Jesus speaks truth to the powerless over and over in the Gospels to free them from the dominion of the powerful, to free them from sin and suffering, and as we see today, even from disease. By speaking that truth, that power to the powerless, he therefore empowers them to go and to bear that truth. So we're continuing through the Gospel of Mark, chapter 1. We've been in the first chapter these last few weeks, and we've been hearing just brilliant examples of this, this mystery of power and how it's exercised. He's healing people left and right, exercising demons, casting them away, and his fame's spreading pretty quickly. People are just being brought to him. Last week we heard about the, the home of Simon and Andrew. The entire city was gathered at the door, it reads. Yet even with just this sheer amount of people, not everyone is healed. And this mystery of him moving on to another city, a neighboring town, so that as to proclaim the message and continue his mission. So just how he goes around, how he exercises his power, knowing who needs healing, who is able to receive healing, is amazing. Of course, he's the most perfect prophet, king, and priest, so he should know, of course. But on Thursday, for example, if you were at Daily Mass with us, we heard about Jesus entering the region of Tyre. So in that scenario, Jesus would have known that this region was filled with Greeks, in other words, pagans, people that are not Jews and therefore not chosen. So Jesus, being a good Jew, being you know, a rabbi of things, he would have known it's probably not the best to start conversing with pagans and Greeks. But nonetheless, he chose to go there. He knew a pagan woman would, would seek him out, would beg him to heal her daughter who was possessed by demons. So first off, there's a grave scandal there. Uh, but second, more importantly, he heals her. He chooses to heal her. And this one little miracle, this is in chapter 7 of Mark later on, is a giant game changer that gives us an insight into who Jesus was and what he came to do, his kingdom, that he came for all of us. Uh, but not all were ready to receive him. I love Twitter. Not many people know that about me. I don't tweet, but I follow a ton of people. And occasionally, I actually get a homily out of Twitter. This is one of those cases. <laughs> so this is a tweet I saw yesterday. I think it's a beautiful line. Even Jesus' spontaneity is deliberate, and his deliberateness is utterly spontaneous. His is a soul totally obedient to the Holy Spirit. He knows where to go. He knows how to exercise his power and to heal. We see the same story, that same theme again here today. So there's this leper who knows he's a leper. He's got these horrible sores. He's an outcast from the Jewish people. But nonetheless, he believes by faith that Jesus can heal him. He doesn't presume it, but he believes. He falls down on his knees, begging without power, completely powerless to be healed. And so at play again is this great mystery of grace, of our free will, but also just of our fallen human nature, that we can't do anything by ourselves. 
St. Anselm even put it this way, that we can't even pray by ourselves. Lifting up your right hand to make the sign of the cross, the sinner in the, the depths and darkness of despair uttering the name of God, please save me. That itself is a grace from God to say that. So by himself, this leper, that Greek woman, they couldn't help themselves. And they knew that. So they go to Jesus, they fall down upon their knees. Jesus having given them that initial grace to even do so. But the beauty herein is we also receive that that initial actual grace. But we ought to recognize who we are in relation to him like they did. We need to recognize what we are in need of and above all to humble ourselves before him asking to be healed. We can ask ourselves again, do we actualize that grace that he's giving us? freely giving us out of no merit of our own, or do we let it fall upon a hard and stubborn heart? Just look at this leper. At the end of the story, what does Jesus do for him? He doesn't merely speak to him like he spoke to that Greek woman and healed her daughter far away, but he chooses to touch him. This is a grave scandal. To touch someone that unclean would make you, by that act, extremely unclean. To make you yourself an outcast. So Jesus is showing us that he's not only triumphant, over sin and death already, before his passion and resurrection, he is God. But he's showing that grace is above the law. It doesn't cancel out the law necessarily, but it fulfills it and it supersedes it. And then Jesus commands this man to go present himself to one of the chief priests to offer the prescribed offering. In other words, he's telling this man, go readmit yourself to the chosen, to your inheritance as a child of God. This last week, we've had the amazing grace. This is my first Lent as a priest coming up. It's my first everything this year. So we had our first confessions this last week. We had like 150 religious education kids on Saturday and then the following Friday, just this last one, we had about, I don't know how many kids are in our school, second graders. So we had like seven priests and you would see these little kids, you know, trot up. Some of them were, you know, shaking a little bit, avoiding eye contact. They would come up, they would sit down, and I lean in and I say, first time, oh yeah. <laughs> and, they, and I say, oh me too, me too, don't worry. And they're like, what? I'm like, it's okay, just joking, just break some ice. But when they walk away from those confessions, some of them literally skipped away. Uh, the smiles upon their faces, telling their parents how easy it was, how lighthearted they are, and how just pure they are. Um, even in some cases spurring on the parents uh, to make that leap to go to confession for some it had been a while it's beautiful i mean what is that but just a retelling of this story of going to jesus falling down on their knees asking for forgiveness recognizing that they're a sinner and going away not sad but proclaiming what just happened i mean imagine seeing this leper be healed i don't know if you've ever seen leprosy once i googled it just to be curious like what did it look like it's still like an existence in some parts of the world I mean, imagine like watching a superhero movie and a superhero has the ability to regenerate, to heal his flesh after like a mortal wound in which he was surely going to die from. I mean, this is like real life CGI. This happened. To be there, to witness it is nothing less than a miracle, but even the greater miracle is what's happening within, to his soul, being put back into right relationship with God, with Jesus, with his kingdom. So many Pharisees and Sadducees went up to Jesus in the same way of walking up to him as this, as this leper did, as this woman did. 
but they had a hardness on their heart that grace was not actualized. So brothers and sisters, we need to pray for the necessary amount of grace to humble ourselves and to ask the Lord to heal us, to make us like his son. So my challenge for you today, this week, when you go home, pull out, dust off the Bible. Open up to the first chapter of Mark, or chapter 7, if you want to read about the Greek woman, and pray with these scenes. Use your imagination, use your emotions, everything. And just put yourself in the shoes of these characters. But then make it extremely and deeply personal. Like that leper, what are the things that you're dealing with? Is there a past trauma, a rough family relationship, some healing, some forgiveness that's needed? Is there a betrayal? Maybe there's a grave habitual sin you've been dealing or avoiding. Chronic disease goes on. And then in your heart, in your prayer, in confession, if need be, bring it all to Jesus. Without presumption, just like that leper, and humble yourself, giving it all to him. And believe that he will heal you. Maybe not in the way that we think is best, right? But he will heal us, whether it's physical, mental, but of course, always spiritual. When the soul goes to confession after they leave, their soul appears as it did on the day of their baptism. The point where they you know, walk outside, get hit by whatever, and they go to heaven, and they ask Jesus, what's the greatest sin I ever committed? He would say, I don't remember. And it's not a joke. It's a beautiful reality. But to also know that by our own baptisms, we are also called to bring about healing. Like that mother who begged and pleaded for her daughter. Whenever I see families come together to confession or, or young couples, uh, my heart just leaps for joy. How beautiful it is. So brothers and sisters, let us pray for ourselves today. Pray for our loved ones. Uh, pray to the Holy Spirit that he may animate our entire being so as to be like him, to be like Jesus, whose spontaneity is deliberate and deliberateness is utterly spontaneous. Souls totally obedient to the Holy Spirit, speaking power to the powerless.